and welcome back to The Hit Show. My name is Darby Robinson. Joined with me this week is Brett Phillips. How are you doing, Brett? I'm feeling great. I'm happy to be here. I'm riding high on a winning streak, both in baseball and just personally in everyday life. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, what? Uh, can you speak to the personal winning streak a little bit? What's happening? Well, you know, I'm just... I went to the store and I got like a, I, you know, I got a bunch of soda on sale. So I'm feeling pretty great today. Nice. And I'm pretty, and I'm pretty hyper. That's, that's definitely why I've been drinking and, diet. And, Dr. <laughs> hence the soda. Yeah, there you go. Um, well, yeah, the winning, uh, the Rays are playing really good baseball. The last we left off, we were talking about how it's been kind of a disappointing start to the season. It's been, it was kind of rough. The, the team was losing a lot, but they were also losing really close uh, and, you know, losing close games is, is like extra frustrating because yes. it feels like one one ball that could just find the gap, one ball that doesn't find the gap for the other team, uh, one strikeout, a, a close call being being called a ball or a strike that like is the difference in the game, and it's and it's really frustrating because you can like pinpoint like you can second guess yourself to death. Um, but one of the things I think we both kind of mentioned was that the team was playing uh, kind of close games, that's kind of bounced back around. So uh, we're going to get into that. We're also going to talk a little bit about some recent uh, trade news that happened just today, um, or I guess finishing trade news. Uh, But let's start it off with some news from around the league. Uh, What's something that's been happening in baseball lately that, uh, that you either loved or hated or I guess felt any kind of emotion, human emotion to (laughs) So just running the entire gamut of just any kind of emotion. Oh, yeah. All, all the way through. <laughs> Lukewarm uh, <laughs> acceptance is also, you know, fine. OK, well, let me give you a, something better than lukewarm for me. One of the coolest things that happened in the past week or two was Sean Manea no hitting the Red Sox. I remember yeah. I was I was out at a banquet and I kept getting ESPN updates on my phone. And while the speaker was talking, I was checking my phone each inning to see if Sean Manea was still hitting at the time, the hottest, you know, team in baseball. And lo and behold, Shamanea did end up no hitting the Red Sox on just over 100 pitches, which if you think about a pretty young pitcher, I mean, I'm, I'm, he's not twice, he's 26 years old. I had to look that up on the phone. <laughs> if, you think of a, if you think of a pitcher doing that at that age, I mean, that's like, he nearly threw a no hitter and a Maddox, which is unbelievable. And it's not like he just like, through a game where like a lot of weak contact was going on, he threw ten strikeouts in that game. Mm-hmm. Imagine throwing any a complete game with l- ten strikeouts, less than a hundred pitches, let alone a no hitter, is a feat. Yeah, that would that would almost be like almost like a real true Maddox because uh, yeah. yeah, he he was pitching really well. Um, and, and again, this was the this was the Red Sox. You know, this is a team mm-hmm. the Rays fans will know. The Red Sox they find ways to score runs and uh, have some really tough bats. In their lineup, so yeah, that was a that's a really impressive way to uh, to get a no hitter. That ten strikeouts were was his career high as well. Um, it's awesome, and, and you know any Rays fan who's watched the Red Sox knows that the Red Sox like to score. You know, in the ninth inning against your premier closer mm-hmm. to walk off, especially if it's David Ortiz doing it. So I'm glad that glad that didn't happen this time for the sake of baseball everywhere yes yes uh it didn't lead to like a, a mental collapse for the red Sox, and they didn't lose like 12 in a row but uh maybe it'll maybe it'll just like eat at them slowly throughout the whole season ruining like them mentally yes exactly um now uh, some news actually that our, our producer dustin just sort of uh let us know that i guess is happening and i i really should know because i'm out here in seattle um <laughs> but uh, uh seattle mariners legend 
might be possibly coming to an end. Uh, Ichiro Suzuki, who is, I think, 87 years old. I think <laughs> I, I'm not going to check that, but I think he's he's somewhere in that range um, and in better shape than I could ever dream of. Uh, he, he came he, he was still playing, you know, he he came back to the Mariners um, but it looks like he might be retiring and, and this next homestand might be his last homestand. Yeah. And if that's true, if that's actually, I mean, you guys listening to this right now, it might've already happened. You might be listening to this in 2047 and Ichiro famously <laughs> hunt up his spikes after hitting like three grand slams in one game and retiring and immediately being elected to the hall of fame. Uh, God, imagine if that happened, I'd be Nostradamus. Um, <laughs> yeah. Somebody but, in. I mean, the year 2047 will be real freaked out by this. <laughs> real, real stressed. But just to see Ichiro, like, if this truly is the end of the Ichiro era in baseball, I mean, he, one of the greatest players to ever play the game, without yeah. even a question, a guy who basically almost single-handedly started, like, the American craze for Japanese baseball players and everything. And it, it's, it's amazing to have such a, like, a humble fun exciting i almost said young player just by force of habit he is like you said nearly 87 <laughs> Closer to, and just to, just to have him in the game for so long has been like truly one of the greatest parts about this sport it is and uh i i definitely remember when Ichiro broke through he i mean he was the most exciting player in the sport i mean he he just brought uh energy to the game that nobody really had and uh he made infield singles uh, real sexy. Uh, that was that was must-watch um, television. And yeah, I mean, he's first ballot Hall of Famer in my in my mind, obviously, um, and uh, hopefully in the <laughs> baseball writers of America's mind. But you know, they do weird stuff, so who knows? Um, I, will say that, I will say this one thing real quick about Ichiro, and that the first one of the first baseball games I ever went to was a Devil Rays game, and the Mariners were in town, and Ichiro came, and my dad at the time was hyping up like, "This guy, he's amazing." He never strikes out. He always gets his infield hits. He's so fun to watch. And then we go to the game and he goes like 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. <laughs> Probably one of like a handful of times he even does that in his career. But mm-hmm. I remember being like, this guy, what are you talking about? This guy, is, oh, what the heck's going on? And little did I know. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, if it is the end, uh, hell of a career for Ichiro Suzuki. And uh, we'll miss him. Um, in other kind of, I guess, Less, less, that's more like kind of bittersweet news, kind of hanging up and, and, and you know, kind of coming to the end of his time. Uh, prematurely ending his time this year in 2018, uh, kind of a shock to the baseball world and, and a real big upsetting of balance potentially uh, for the rest of this season. The Los Angeles Dodgers are going to be playing without Corey Seager, all-star and tremendous shortstop uh, for the Dodgers he is going to be undergoing Tommy John surgery on his elbow and will miss the remainder of 2018. And as we know with Tommy John, a good portion of 2019 as well, potentially. So a uh, huge, huge loss in the national yeah. league, especially for some it's, it's, it's shocking when it's a position player. Anytime that happens, mm-hmm. you're always surprised. Like when, uh, Gleyber Torres uh, last year got uh, surgery on his arm on his non throwing arm, even when he was uh, just, you know, in the game, and it was stunning, and all the Yankees fans were freaking out. Now, Glabertoros is doing perfectly fine, but it's a shame to see Corey Seager, you know, have that happen to him. But it also is definitely opens up this interesting possibility for trades for the Dodgers, because of course the Dodgers are always in the thick of things in the NL West. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, the Diamondbacks are in first place right now, but 
the Dodgers are always <laughs> kicking around, have a ton of talent, and it really makes you wonder just what shortstop from the AL East wearing an orange uniform <laughs> that the Dodgers are going to try to trade for. It really makes you wonder who their target is. Well, you know, Andrew Friedman, we, we kind of know, doesn't love to trade a lot of uh, prospects. And, uh, and um, yeah, they, maybe he'll take a slightly used Adani Hechevarria. In a month, uh, maybe, <laughs> that's a, maybe that's a, maybe that's he's hey, let's just watch some defensive highlights. He uh, maybe can't hit as much as uh, Mr. Machado, but um, the glove work is pretty. So who knows? We'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, but speaking of, of Tommy John surgeries, one of the early really awesome stories in all of baseball is coming from uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. And that's Johnny Venters, uh, who has famously had just the worst, worst luck. I'm he's, he's undergone three Tommy John surgeries. This is one of the, the best relievers in all of baseball, pairing him up with, uh, uh, O'Flattery and, um, Kimbrell, uh, the Braves had pretty much six inning games. If you didn't get to the Braves, uh, through the sixth, you, you were done. Just pack it up because, um, you weren't, you weren't touching, especially Venters and Kimbrell. And uh, his career was cut, you know, brutally short by just injury after injury. And uh, one turned into two and turned into three. Um, But he hasn't given up. And uh, just uh, last week, Johnny Venters made his return to Major League Baseball after years of just, you know, struggle that I feel like any lesser person would have just called it quits on. um, But not Johnny. Yeah, I mean, for anyone who's been paying attention, Johnny Venter's coming back to the major leagues after six years of being away is is the best story in baseball. And honestly, to me, it's not even close. A guy like that who was such a phenom younger, coming back after three and a half times, it bears repeating, three and a half Tommy John surgeries, coming back to pitch in meaningful baseball games for a major league team is is nothing... It's nothing short of astounding. I everyone and their mother wants to see Johnny Venters succeed as 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 long as he possibly can. And it's what's what's nice is it's not just a uh, kind of it's 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 not almost like what what Ichiro is doing in Seattle, which is more of a a kind of retirement tour um, and, and you know playing still and and trying to you know help out, but mostly kind of filling in for injuries and and then and then retiring. Johnny Venters has a chance to be like a a real relief pitcher and a real piece of the Rays. I mean, the Rays stuck with him uh, and kind of kept him around to rehab and work his way back. The Rays aren't keeping him around just for just for fun, not not just to to come up here and and um, get some headlines. He came into a game to get Chris Davis uh, and, and you know act as like a high leverage uh, loogie, a left lefty only uh, matchup guy. Um, but since then, he's actually gone now after actually tonight's game. Uh, he's gone uh, two full innings twice in a row uh, or twice so far in the season. He hasn't pitched twice in a row yet. Um, and he, he still has not really given up any good contact. He's yeah. he's gotten weak contact. People are drilling the ball into the dirt, which is so great. It's, it's like uh, young Johnny again, where people would just – we're up there swinging and you the best contact you could do is a two week grounder to shortstop that you can maybe beat out to first. Right. I mean, Johnny Venters is certainly a different pitcher than he was in 2012. Three and a half Tommy John surgeries will do that to you. But he is pitching meaningful 
innings and he's pitching them well. Like you said, today uh, we're recording this little spoiler for everyone. We're recording this on May 1st and the Rays are currently uh, playing the second game against the Tigers and Johnny Venters came in and allowed his first base runner of the entire mm-hmm. season, which is fan. I mean, you know, and and like you said, nothing was hit particularly hard. You know, it, it's if the Rays are going to you know make any kind of noise this year in any context, they need that it'll be no small part, I'm sure, to guys like Johnny Venters. And you know, I, someone I read this somewhere, and I, I don't, I don't know who said it exactly, but it was a great article somewhere, and it was they, they wrote that Johnny Venters' baseball reference page looks like a very interesting short story, like a Hemingway <laughs> short story, like 2010, 2011, 2012. He's getting like fantastic looks. He's getting a little bit of like Rookie of the Year candidacy. He's getting some little of the like the bold things that says he leads the league in X or Y, and then it just cuts off, and then it jumps straight ahead to 2018. It's just it's 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 this, it's like a, it's, it's a real first sale baby shoes never worn situation. You see those six lost years, and you're like, what the what the heck happened? Mm-hmm. You really fill in the gaps with everything, and and to be able to watch Johnny Venters fill in the gaps this year is going to be pretty cool. It is, it is, and uh, there's a really cool article uh, at Fangraphs um, from from Jay Jaffe about Johnny Venters and the kind of official. Tommy John three-peat club. And he mentioned two other pitchers who I guess maybe or maybe not also had three Tommy John surgeries. And there there is kind of a weird bit of um, debate on that. There's uh, official keeper of the Tommy John surgery database doesn't fully know whether or not the other two, the other two pitchers, by the way, are Jose Rio and um, Jason Isringhausen, uh, one former Ray and Jason Isringhausen. And, um, both of them have had uh, multiple Tommy John surgeries and also elbow surgeries, um, but there's some debate, I guess, whether or not they've had a third true Tommy John surgery or if it was a different type of um, elbow surgery. So potentially, Johnny Venters is the first pitcher ever to return from a third Tommy John, um, or he he joins the other two. Uh Hopefully, hopefully this is just the start because um, we would love to see. I mean, even even, uh, you know, Johnny Venters, not the elite, you know, relief pitcher. Johnny Venters right. could still get guys out. And so uh, I, I just hope for a very, you know, long uh, second half of his uh, his career. Um, yep. Kind of. It's a great story. And um, yeah, I. Uh, I look forward to watching him pitch, and um, I'm glad we get to watch him closely here in uh, it, it, for the Rays. Yeah, lost in all this too is that there is a Tommy John database. <laughs> there's like a guy who runs it. I was like, there's a guy who runs the Tommy John database, like dressing a giant robe and has like a staff in the shape of a, of a UCL or something. Yeah. In my mind, he does. In my mind, he does, and to me, that's what's important. We we will follow up and see whether he does or not. But I think <laughs> I think the. Uh, I think the image is is worth the um, is never finding out and ruining that. Um, so so we mentioned uh, some some uh, completion of some some other new rays coming in. Uh, Steven Souza was traded in the offseason. Mm-hmm. He was traded for uh, Nick Solak, who's been crushing it in in Double A in Montgomery, and uh, and Anthony Bonda, who has been pitching really well in AAA Durham. But there were still two players to be named later, and we heard that May 1st was the day that those players were to be named. Uh, And they were named, and they have 
fun names. Uh, and it was also very fun to find out their <laughs> real uh, prospects. These are actual real prospects. The number yes. 13 and number 29 organizational prospects for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, actual real legit uh, prospects. There's Sam yeah. McWilliams, two pitchers, right-hander Sam McWilliams and uh, Colin uh, Puhe, I think is his name. Those are it's, fun names. Those are very fun names. Mick Williams uh, and, and Puhe. Um, one is going to be going to Montgomery. Um, the lefty uh, Puhe is going to go to Montgomery. He's a reliever who's pitching really, really well. Um, and Mick Williams is going to start in uh, single A at Charlotte uh, with the Stone Crabs. You can learn a little bit about him um, at D-Rays Bay, uh, Scott Grauer is, did a great job just kind of writing him up, giving a little uh, uh, preview, a little taste of what these guys bring. One interesting thing about um, McWilliams is that uh, he was a, the pick or he was the prospect that the Diamondbacks got for trading Jeremy Hellickson to the Phillies. And so the Jeremy Hellickson trade tree has one branch that is now completed. <laughs> yeah, Matthew McConaughey once told me that time is a flat circle, and I guess this trade tree is also looking like a nice little flat circle. He's finally come home. He's finally, we, we He's got finally him. returned. After a long – it's the long game. It's a long he time. Took, he took his talents to the southwest Arizona beach, and now he's returned. That was awful. That was a horrible. <laughs> we'll we'll just move on. Let's we'll move just on. move on. Um, we won't see these guys probably for a while, but they are – that trade, it was a really interesting trade. I think it came at a time when people were sort of ready to jump on the, the razor tanking bandwagon. They're, they're trading off pieces. It's a fire sale. And, uh, once they traded Sousa, they were like, Oh my God, they're just, you know, it's a disgrace to baseball. Um, but, uh, the race front office insisted that this trade has zero to do with money and everything to do with just being blown away by the offer. And this, so far has really shown a, a significant portion that, yeah, this, this was a really good offer that was going to be hard to pass up. I mean, uh, ended up being four prospects all in the top 30 of their respective organization uh, rankings, including three in the top 15. Uh, Souza still has yet to play in uh, 2018, uh, missing an injury due to over hustle, um, which is unfortunately Steven Souza's MO. Um, so, so I think, yeah, I think this is a I think a sign that you can really when the front office said that this was not a trade for uh, money, but a trade because they just really liked the return. Uh, I think it's hard to argue um, yeah. that it wasn't. Yeah, those guys, I mean, Solak and Banda, Banda have been especially Banda have been hit. I've been doing great. So it's yeah. great to see them. You know, I, I even in the thick of the, the doldrums of that offseason where everyone seemed to get traded, even when I was at my lowest, and I'm a big fan of Steven Souza Jr., I also knew that the return on this trade was going to be very good. That mm -hmm. from what people had been saying that Banda was a legit prospect and that Solak might have been something. And so far he's definitely appeared like he's something. So yeah. to even have a couple more guys thrown in is a is truly it makes it makes it even sweeter. But that yeah. to be said that said, I hope Steven Souza Jr. hits fifty home runs in Arizona because I love him and I want him to succeed. Absolutely. I mean Arizona we mentioned it. They're leading the NL West. Now the Dodgers just lost Seeger. Uh Diamondbacks have a real interesting shot there and mm -hmm. a healthy Steven Souza will be just like this really, you know, they're already playing great. Suddenly you throw in Steven Souza. Uh, that's, that's, that's really awesome. So yeah, I hope he comes back and, and just absolutely crushes it for Arizona. 
And I hope the worst uh, team in this three-team trade is definitely the Yankees. And I feel like hopefully they're just like really just bummed <laughs> with everything that happened. Um, because everybody is happy when the Yankees are unhappy. Uh, so speaking, <laughs> speaking of people prematurely burying the Rays and saying it's a tank and they're a disgrace to baseball. And this is the, the you know, Abner Doubleday is rolling in his, his grave for the game that he fake made up. Um, <laughs> the, the Rays are uh, not terrible right they're they're i think we tried to say like hey this team that's not like you know losing games that badly that are that are losing a lot of one run games and are competing against the red Sox like multiple times and really performing well once they got away from the red Sox, suddenly this team started to perform they went on an eight game winning streak they've been within one game of 500 twice now uh they've won uh, four straight series tomorrow. They have a chance to win a fifth straight series. Mm-hmm. Why are they winning? Why is this team not, <laughs> uh, not, not being terrible? Why is that a metaphys- Is that a metaphysical question or is it? <laughs> it's, yes. It's, but why is the raise? Why, why is the raise the raise? Well, yeah, I mean the rate, I mean, I, I will say that as someone who I think last episode of the podcast said, you know, they only they lost, you know, six of those games to the Red Sox by like one run and you know, they were pretty close for the most part and they you know, they lost one and they went one and six, but as someone who was like really trying to do that, I felt so so vindicated when mm-hmm. once we move past the Red Sox and the Yankees and the AL East and the Division of Death and we get to like the Twins and uh like the Orioles who are unfortunately are not as good this year. It, it, to see them rip off eight games in a row against those teams was about as vindicated as I felt I could possibly be as a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt very satisfied of that whole thing. That said, with any eight-game winning streak, you're going to get a good element of luck. Um, the Rays, as of right now, are leading the majors in uh, BABIP. <laughs> Their BABIP is mm-hmm. the highest in baseball, which, you know, again, any team that goes on an extended winning streak is going to have some luck go their way. But the Rays are definitely riding high on some luck. That's buried by, like... Over 400 like uh, levels of Babbitt by guys like guys like Daniel Robertson and Malik Smith who are hitting, you know, who are balls are finding zones for them. Especially D. Rob, who's riding on a nice little hot streak of his own. Mm-hmm. You know, some of it is luck for sure. Um, that said, the offense has undeniably been very good as of right now. The Rays are fifth in baseball in WOBA for mm-hmm. offense, and weighted, they are actually on, on base a, average. On base that, average, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Sorry, a better, I also, a better version of uh, on base average. Um, yeah, continue. Yes, well, they're the they're fifth in baseball and weighted on base average, while being uh, 29th in the FanGraphs accumulated defense stat that they use to calculate WAR. Uh, so that's you know interesting. The Rays are doing it based off of the offense this time. So it's definitely the offense has, has played a major role in this fun in that fun little streak. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, the it's it's interesting. So you're saying it's a lot of, you know, kind of positive luck going their way um, that you're, you're are you saying that uh, that Malik Smith is not going to hit near 400 and uh, <laughs> Daniel Robertson is not going to continue to um, out hit Mike Trout and Aaron Judge? Yeah, I don't know. That seems <laughs> like a, I mean, I know that's what the stats say that they are. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Just going by past experience, I think Daniel Robertson is an is an interesting case, but 
uh, he's not, <laughs> he's not, you know, Mike Trout. He's not Bryce Harper. Yeah. Um, is he yeah. Maybe we'll see. We got a couple yeah. years to find out. Yeah, so let's well, let's talk about uh, on the topic of Daniel Robertson. He's he's maybe I think my most interesting Ray of of 2018. Um, I, Malik Smith, Joey Wendell are guys that have done really really well. Um, Joey Wendell especially is a guy that I think we all kind of disregarded, and I think this is one of those things where front office are the front office running a baseball team, and we are not, and that's the reason why because they saw something in, in Joey Wendell as a real player. And maybe he's not this good. Obviously, nobody's probably this good. But I think this is a guy that is a real major league player. And I think he's a potential base uh, or a, a bench guy um, on, on the Rays for the foreseeable future. I think there's some real talent there in terms of hitting and and fielding. Um, Malik's is interesting. But I think Daniel Robertson's the guy that that really, to me, the, the numbers are off the chart right now. Currently, he's 11th in all of uh, Fangraph's war, wins above replacement in all of baseball. Um, better than Carlos Correa, better than like Freddie Freeman, better than Robinson Cano, like huge names. Um, but this is not just some like random like streak. This isn't Joey Butler. Uh, it's already gone on longer than Joey Butler's streak. Um this this is a an interesting guy. So so can you like let folks know if you if you there's a lot of stories now. People are rushing to kind of be like, wait, who is this guy? Um, so who is this guy? <laughs> uh, oh, I love that setup. Um, well, I want to what's I want to put this even to a little more perspective about what you said about D Rob because it's true that he is like you said he's got a he's got a war on fan graphs of one point five right now, but that's only with eighty four plate appearances. Every single guy, every single guy on that list is like riding up around 120, sometimes mm-hmm. 130. Didi Gregorius is currently leading baseball with 2.3 WAR. If we're going to <laughs> just rates wise, just going strictly by WAR by plate appearance, says Daniel Robertson and Didi Gregorius are one and two in baseball mm-hmm. with WAR. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, who you thought would be one and two in that rate at the beginning of the season? <laughs> just, certainly, it's just it's 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 Bonds and Griffey Jr. Absolutely. It's like clearly, yeah. Um, just for yeah. people to to be aware with with wins above replacement, this is a counting stat. So so doing it in shorter numbers is good. It's not a it's not a rate stat where you can kind of like have a higher batting average because you had less chances to kind of skew that you accumulate wins above replacement by doing things that kind of add to that. And so him, the fact that he's on, he has 40 less plate appearances than Didi, but is right there with him. That's crazy. That's really impressive. Frankly, from like a holistic baseball standpoint with when we're trying to talk about war, we're trying to talk about a way to compare everyone at any given time in any given era, which is incredibly hard to do. And there's obviously reasons why it's not perfect, but to <laughs> to have that kind of comparison this early on, I mean, and you think about all the press that Didi Gregorius is getting for his offense, for the, um, play, the fact that he plays in like you know Yankee Stadium and has hit a billion home runs. Daniel Robertson, for when he is playing, is doing nearly exactly the same kind of like holistic baseball output as Didi Gregorius. So just in your mind, try to picture everything about ESPN on about Dred. Didi Gregorius and just input Daniel Robertson's smiling face over Didi Gregorius, <laughs> and it's not—it's not that far off. It's a little—it's mm-hmm. a, you know, a little much, but it is—it's pretty close. And one thing that I, I did—I I feel like I'm going to start 
really going down a rabbit hole with Daniel Robertson because he truly is an interesting guy. He is I'm you like a year from now I'm gonna have my wall posted with like pictures <laughs> of Daniel Robertson and his stats in minor leagues and like red string connecting yep. everything. But it's interesting because again, he was like a top seventy prospect when the Rays traded mm-hmm. for him from the Oakland A's when they sent Ben Zobrist over. And he has a bit of a pedigree and a, a really interesting, a very perfectly timed Fangraphs article came out on Daniel Robertson the other day where they talked about changes in his swing path and some of the adjustments that he's made. And there was something that he talked about over and over again in this interview that kind of stuck out to me in an interesting way. He talks about how he's always bought, he's never really bought into the idea of launch angles and Mm -hmm. getting on plane with the baseball. He's kind of like, oh, see the ball, hit the ball kind of thing. Just like try to, you know, get the bat out on the plate and smack it and do something. And this year, I guess he, over the offseason, he met with some new um, uh, some new trainers and some new batting coaches, and they tried to get him to do a different sort of philosophy with the baseball. And it's interesting because, according to Robinson, he says that that allows the barrel of his bat to stay in the zone longer, and he can see the ball longer, which is great because Daniel Robinson has been walking up a storm. He has a, like a walk rate of about 19%, which is fantastic. Again, we're getting into these Ben Zobris levels. There was an at- – uh, and at that, uh, like where he was completely, it seemed like he was completely outmatched by this guy's breaking pitch, but he threw it just off the plate. It went for a ball. The pitcher threw the exact same pitch, and Daniel Robertson kind of knocked it out into center field. I, it was unbelievable. And actually, you know, who, you know who that pitcher was? Now that I think about it, it was Craig Kimbrell. It was Craig Kimbrell <laughs> at the bottom of the ninth in that, the final Boston Red Sox game. So mm-hmm. it's all coming back to me now. But yeah, no, Daniel Robertson is, is, has, been, has been very good. And I kind of want to like, this idea of keeping the barrel of the bat in the zone longer is kind of paying off because, again, Robertson has a very high BABIP. He's not going to sustain this level of production for the entire season. It's almost yeah. statistically impossible for this to happen. But going by what has happened so far, he's got some kind of interesting comps. One of the reasons that he's been so successful is because he has been hitting line drives. Mm-hmm. He's been hitting the ball pretty hard. Now, hitting the ball hard doesn't always translate to line drives. Anyone who's like seen Carlos Pena be- play before has, can mm-hmm. see like you can hit a ball on the ground very hard if it's uh, if it's a ground ball. And a lot of times those hard hit ground balls they don't always find zones. They always seem to find their way to like you know defenders' gloves. So it gets kind of crazy. But I did a little comp on Daniel Robertson and two massive hard hit you know mass you know, great hitters like Aaron Judge and JD Martinez. As of right now, in the early morning, early uh, early part of the season. Aaron Judge has a line drive percentage of about 27, meaning that he's hitting 27, 27% of the balls that he's hitting are line drives. J.D. Martinez has 21%. Mm. Daniel Robertson has 30%. 30% of the balls that Daniel Robertson is hitting are like classified as line drives. Now, again, lots of different variables. These are kind of judgment calls sometimes. But he's hitting the ball hard. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's interesting to see that because not only is he hitting the ball hard, but we know he has a great knack for seeing balls well as of right now his on-base percentage is the highest in baseball by 20 points that's crazy (laughs) everyone else is like oh it's like little differences of one or two or five daniel robertson is not lapping the field but he's he's approaching (laughs) he's approaching the guys on the uh, behind him it's impressive and and I, i this idea of changing his swing is something that you know always seems to happen guys are like oh i'm in the best shape of my life for spring training mm-hmm. oh this is exactly where i want to be but if we're talking about keeping the barrel in the zone longer that is a great way to 
build up that line drive percentage. It's a great way to get the barrel on the ball and to hit balls hard. Remember, guys in the past who the Rays have had who had these kind of long looping swings that like you could strike balls hard, but these high K guys, guys like Will Myers, the Rays have kind of shipped shift them ship them away. Mm-hmm. And there are plenty of reasons that Will Myers left Tampa. Uh, not one of which is that he just would not listen to suggestions and he would just do his own thing. And I don't know. I'm <laughs> Will Myers seems like a wonderful human, but that is a, uh, it's not surprising when you look at him and his hair that he's <laughs> kind of has goes by his own path. Yeah. Don't go to national TV with bedhead. I, I mean, I love him. I hope I'm, I'm happy for him, but I, again, if these guys who can keep these swing paths level are the guys that hit the balls hard and who have long, who seem to have pretty longer success as hitters, especially in this age of the rising fastball mm-hmm. and these high inflated um, fly ball numbers. Yeah, I, I think he's an interesting guy in terms of there, there's some things that you always look to, like what is what is fake, what what's going to come down, what's going to come crashing down to earth. But there's a lot of things to his game that aren't aren't fake and they're not just helium. And uh, I think there's he's an interesting player. You know, I again. We're not saying he's going to be Trout, but uh, this is a guy that that I think is is not just somebody that you can just sort of disregard as like, say, just like a a single month guy. I think he's doing a lot of the things the right way. He's passing the eye test as well. Um, He's going up to plates or plate appearances and he's and he's has a very calm, much more mature approach, uh, even just in a year from from last year. So uh, Daniel Robertson, I mean. He's he's just one player. There's been a lot of great, you know, uh, performances. We've seen Denard Span really kind of lead the team. And Wilson Ramos is just heating up. He's hitting hitting tons and tons of line drives and homers and extra base hits uh, and rumbling around the bases. Um, but I think Daniel Robertson's one of the most interesting uh, kind of of like a, a small piece that, that represents the whole large, like kind of a metonymy to the Rays 2018 season. Um, because this is the type of guy that you trade away veteran players to suddenly give them that chance this year. Um, when the Rays kind of did their offseason, they they made some very questionable moves. And I think there was some a lot of people that had some very interesting reservations and, and very justified reservations. Um, but one of the things is the Rays tried to get younger without getting worse. Um, and it op- allows the opportunity for us to try out guys like Joey Wendell, like Malik Smith and and specifically like Daniel Robertson and find guys that could be long term answers. And I mean, I think the thing is you have to look at, you know, the Rays traded somebody like Evan Longoria to the to the Giants and they got a guy like Carlo, uh, Christian Arroyo. Daniel Robertson is not that much different than Christian Arroyo when they were traded. Um, similar kind of future value ratings by prospect uh, rank, rankers, similar kind of like 50, 60, 70, you know, kind of middle to back end of the top 100 guys, guys that have more contact uh, based approach and on base rather than um, a big power, but guys that can also play all over the infield with a good glove. Christian Arroyo is going to be coming here soon, you know, maybe this year, maybe next. Um, Daniel Robertson is a guy that we can't disregard because he could win a job. He's what you're hoping uh, as a good outcome for Christian Arroyo. And Daniel Robertson can be that. And you want more of him. So so uh, it's it's a really good sign. The Rays have played good baseball during this win streak. They played some good baseball 
during the losing streak. So I, I think this first month, there's a lot to to be excited about. There's some definite concerns, no doubt. Mm-hmm. The pitching is a concern, especially from guys like Chris Archer uh, and some of the the bullpen pieces. Um, but there's a lot to like, and this team is really really fun. So the losing was not so much fun, but they they were keeping it interesting. Now a little bit of luck going their way, a little bit better, weaker teams, and uh, and and some of that luck dragons, you know, the the things that should should fall for you eventually started to fall, and that led to wins. So it's it's exciting. It's, um, it's true, and the kids are all right, and they're not even the kids that we thought would be all right. So it's uh, <laughs> and we still have Willie the kids Adamas to look forward even, to. Yeah, Willie Adamas isn't even here yet, so uh, it, yeah. it's going to be it, just to have this as a have a success like Daniel Robertson so far and his season already has been a success to have that already in a, in a, in an interesting retooling season is a, is a blessing. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, it's been exciting. We hope it continues to stay exciting. Uh, hopefully we continue to just win series. And I think that's, you know, keep keeping it right around 500, the later the season goes, it suddenly makes you keep uh, keep wondering, like maybe there's yeah. some late season magic. Maybe there's some 2011 magic in this team. Yep. All it takes is a run. Yeah. And and it's baseball. So weird stuff is going to happen. Um, <laughs> well, uh, we have a lot of good content this week on D-Rays Bay, you know, about uh, some of the things we talked about today. Uh, definitely check out uh, the site again for, for Scott's piece on the two new pieces coming to the Rays. Um, the minor, the minor, uh, the farm has looked great so far. So adding two more interesting pieces uh, will definitely be something to check out. Um, Jake Faria had a really amazing start recently, and uh, we have some good um, stuff on him, as well as Jesus Sucre, who was basically throwing his body in front of trains to to save a game and win a game for the Rays. So check out those pieces on the mothership at dRaysBay.com. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. Tune in next time. Uh, for Brett, for Dustin in the studio, I've been Darby, and you've been listening to The Hit Show. Bye, guys.